We're the Valentins. And we are passionate about people. Every human was created for fulfilling relational connection. But that's not always what comes easiest. We know this because of our wide range of personal experience, as well as our years of working with people. So we're going to crack open topics like dating, marriage, family, and parenting to encourage, entertain, and equip you for a deeply fulfilling life of relational health. All right, babe. We are live. Yes. Welcome back to Dates, Mates, and Babies with the Valatins. We are Jason and Lauren Valatin, and we're in episode 12 today. This has been such a fun project. We are loving, honestly loving doing this together. It's just a blast. This kind of conversation is our favorite and helping people and engaging with our audience and hearing their feedback about episodes and answering questions and gosh, all the things. We're just having a blast. So thanks guys for journeying along. I can't believe this is episode 12. We are three months in to this really fun journey. And tonight we're digging deep. We are going for it. We're going to talk about keys for connection tonight in episode 12. Well, I was mostly saying we're digging deep because it's late. It is late. And I have a little jet lag. Totally. Jason just got back from eight days in Taiwan. I You battled the kids because they were sick. Battled <laughs> here on the home front, the front lines. Yeah. I was battling out sickness and sleeplessness and whatnot. But guys, we love this so much that we were like, hey, after we put our babies to bed, let's go record. Let's an go record an episode. Let's I do wish this. you guys could see our studio. I just, I'm going to paint a little picture for you. There's a red little tyke slide on the couch. There is a Tonka dump truck on the couch. There's a ball pit. Dumped out on the floor. Primary colors everywhere because baby toys, for some reason, are all just bright. Yeah. And here we are at our tiny little table with our microphones and our whole setup and just in it, just in the mix. Man. This is real life. I mean, good content can happen anywhere, you know? That's right. Right in the middle of, right in the middle of it all. Front and center stage here. Babe, what are we talking about today? Keys for connection. And guys, this is really, this is a great, this is a very rich topic. Like there's a lot of things that we could say. We're going to talk about some keys for building and maintaining great connection in your relationships, especially in marriage, I would say. Um, But, but practicing how to build deep and meaningful connection is something that you can do inside a friendship. It's something that you should do in a dating relationship. There's obviously a limit to the kind of connection you can have in a dating relationship. It's not the same as being married, but all of that really prepares you for a deep level of intimacy that you would experience in marriage and good connection has to be cultivated. Um, yeah, let's jump in. All right. I think it's good to talk about what is connection just in the very beginning. Yeah. What are we talking about? When we say connection, what do we mean? Well, in my opinion, um, we both in talking about it ahead of time, we we were like, it's, we're talking about felt closeness when we talk about connection. If you were to look up a definition on connection, it's going to say something about a deep bond between people. And I think what we're really getting at is you know, it's that felt sense of knowing and being known, a felt sense of, um, withness in your relationship. Yeah. And I I, can say it like that. I do love that bond and a sense of belonging to, um, that bond between 
two people is, I mean, that, that's really what you're going for, right? Is I am attached to you. I'm bonded to you. Yeah. I, I, I do. Know you. I do think though, I mean, I am thinking, I mean, I know people that have been married 40 years and they would say that they have a bond, but I would look at their relationship and be like, yeah, but is there like a real beautiful, like thriving connection there between you? I think it's different. So we're going to kind of, as we explain keys for connection, you're going to kind of catch what we're talking about here. I would even say connection would equal like enjoyment of your, there would be a there's a positive correlation when we talk about connection, there would be a positive correlation even with enjoyment of your relationship. So when we say connection, we're saying you feel deeply fulfilled even in the bond that you have. I like that. Let's go with that. Yeah, it's great. Connection is actually, you guys, connection is actually the goal. In our opinion, connection would actually be the goal of an intimate relationship. So you ask Jake always gives this example when he's talking about connection in a teaching setting. He'd say, you know, you'd ask a, a couple, if you're doing a marriage counseling session, ask a couple, what's the goal of your marriage? Well, it'd be really typical for people to say things like peace. We want peace in our marriage or build you know, wealth, build wealth. Or the goal of our marriage is to have a really beautiful family or to build a life together. And the thing is, is you can do all of those things and not actually have that deep, fulfilling bond with someone. So connection would actually be the goal of a relationship. And we would say that the fruit of your life that comes out of a deep and fulfilling bond with someone is is beautiful. And like that's what makes marriage or intimate relationships so rich. I think one of the big challenges that we face, especially in our society today, is a lot of people never actually learned or have felt what a safe connection feels like, mm. what a real safe bond and attachment feels like. And we're in talking about this, we thought, man, it'd probably be good just to go over the attachment styles and attachment theory, because when we were young kids, right, that's where we first learned to bond. And that's where it really programs us. We get wired to, to either connect mm -hmm. and, and to connect and feel safe in that attachment. Or if you never really attach well, mm -hmm. then you have all this fear, insecurity. Um, it, you can actually in some instances, never actually really bond and never learn how to bond to people. Mm. And if you, if you've never heard of that before, and then all of a sudden someone starts to explain, um, the different attachment styles and you look at your childhood and you go, Oh my gosh, I never actually bonded to my mom. Mm. or I didn't bond to my mom and my dad. It, it starts to shed this light on, okay, we're talking about something that you've never really fully experienced. And now you get into marriage and it's like a foreign language. I mean, I, I was just in Taiwan and when I'm in Taiwan and they're talking to me, they're, they're trying to, like, I would walk up to somebody and they would start talking to me, especially in the church setting afterwards. And they're trying to explain to me, like, thank you so much for coming here. Right. I know that that's what they're saying, but I cannot understand them until I have my interpreter next to me. And, mm -hmm. and that's, that can be, it can feel like you're in a, in a foreign land. 
trying to do something that you've never experienced before. Right, because you would get into a marriage and you know-ish what it's supposed to look and feel like. Yeah. You have this thing you're aiming for, but you have no idea how to accomplish that deep connection that you know is supposed to be there. Yeah, you've never felt it before. You've never experienced it. And not only have you not experienced it, but all of your early childhood experiences were opposite. Mm -hmm. So you have these walls. You have these, you actually have an aversion to getting close, opening up, you know, all that stuff. So, um, I wonder what the percentage would be. It would be really interesting to find a study that actually showed kind of like statistical percentages of different attachment styles. Probably be really correlated Mm. to, obviously really correlated to like family demographic, you know, studies of fatherless homes or single parents. And as we go through these, you'll start like people will go, oh man, I I can see where that happened in my life. Or kids that had, you know, grew up in abuse, kids that grew up with drug addiction in the home, things like that. Wow. So attachment theory proposes that there are four main um, attachment styles that individuals develop based upon their experiences with their caregivers during infancy and early childhood. And so we're going to go over those four different styles really quick. Basically the first one's a secure attachment, which a secure, secure attachment are like children who grow up where their parents are really responsive to their needs. Mm-hmm. So these kids feel secure in their relationships. They feel bonded. They feel, uh, they're getting praised, you know, they're getting nurtured and taken care of and known. And of course, when you grow up like that, it sets a precedence in your life. It says you belong, you're loved Mm -hmm. and you learn this, that it's great to depend on people and bonds are incredible. And, um, the next one is an anxious or like preoccupied attachment and kids who grow up with this anxious preoccupied attachment they had parents who were really inconsistent Mm -hmm. with their needs. And when that happens, children become really anxious and clingy. They Mm -hmm. seek constant reassurance um, from the people around them. And we can look in our lives and see just, I've experienced that with, with different people I've worked with and they just have this, they're uh, people pleasing Mm -hmm. would be, would come out of that Mm -hmm. um, big time. Um, The third one, would be an avoidant attachment. So um, kids with an avoidant attachment style, their parents were emotionally unavailable or even unresponsive to their needs. And so kids who grow up like that, they learn to cope with their caregivers, lack of attention, um, basically by avoiding needs and becoming Mm -hmm. really Mm self-reliant in relationships. And so I'm not going to depend on anybody else. I'm just going to do this all on my own. Even shoving down your needs, right, mm-hmm. would be a massive one. So I was just helping someone um, today who said, man, it, my life was so much easier before I took the red pill. What he meant by that is before I decided to have needs, before I decided to acknowledge that I had emotions, because he grew up numb yeah and he was saying tonight like numb is so much easier Mm. because it's so much work for him to like start to come alive in this area um a disorganized attachment so 
basically kids with a disorganized attachment have caregivers who are abusive or neglectful. And so these kids, um, they feel confused. Um, they show contradictory behaviors in their response to people. And so they mm-hmm. struggle with regulating their emotions and behaviors. Mm-hmm. And so they just feel all over the map. Um, act, act out a lot. Yeah. Act mm-hmm. out a ton. Um, just feel really insecure. And again, can, can be all over the map. Yeah. So these different attachment styles, you know, how kids learned to attach to their primary caregivers in infancy really sets such a huge precedent for how they're going to trust their connections with other people later in life if they don't really work through and the skill that they've developed Mm -hmm. right so yeah it's not just that i don't trust you which that's a big part of it but the other side of it is i have developed this pattern this culture inside of me this Mm -hmm. way of coping and doing life for so long yeah and so again it's not the end of the world it's a really actually incredibly helpful tool to go oh my gosh yeah i was abused as a kid and that's why i acted out that's why i did all this stuff i need to learn so i need to start Mm -hmm. to rewire what i do in my adult years to reprogram myself and and to really learn how to bond and connect and we don't Mm -hmm. have to go down the rabbit hole on this stuff Mm -hmm. um but i would say that it's massively helpful for for individuals to look back and then this is where i'd also recommend like you could do some counseling to work through some of the past like if you were like man i've I've never worked through some abuse that happened in my life or my parents never bonded to me therapy can be really really helpful for Mm -hmm. this kind of stuff yeah absolutely absolutely because you know when you come into marriage the goal would be to lay a really healthy foundation of connection because deep intimate relationship in and of itself doesn't actually equal connection. Um, it's easy even inside of marriage to think that once you're married, once you're living together, once you're gosh, it's wild how even I remember before being married you think that being married is going to solve a bunch of issues. I know. Just being married, just living together finally is going to actually make things easier. And the truth is, I think we found this experientially, but it's true for most people that I talk to, is that actually with with the added pressure, healthy pressure that comes f- with the responsibility of being married comes a whole nother set of challenges Mm -hmm. that you didn't foresee, not challenge in the sense of negative, but there's a growing together that has to happen and laying this foundation of connection, actually even defining what does your unique connection in marriage look like and how do you build something that you're both, that you both really trust, that you both really enjoy, that you both really feel free inside of. You have to build that together. And so coming in, knowing what you're bringing to the table, you know, what your past contributed to the way that you see the world, the way that you see relationships, the way that you behave inside of relationships, super, super helpful. I think the other thing that's really important and not to cut you off, um, is once again, to remember no one comes in perfect. Oh yeah. So 
I didn't come in perfect. You didn't come in perfect. We had great homes. And part of that, part of the friction that happens when you come in, in any relationship, that friction that you feel is, it's part of the building trust. It's part of the, the, gosh, I'm really trying hard to, I'm confronting myself. Like there are things in relationship that only get brought, uh, things in your life that only get brought out in relationship. And, but that's where the bond is building. That's where I'm working hard over here. You're working hard over there. And together we look back a year from now and we go like, golly, we have grown so much. So mm-hmm. don't feel like, oh man, I'm coming into a relationship or I've been in a relationship for a long time and it's really hard. And now I'm confronting all my stuff. Mm-hmm. Everybody is. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So connection, a, a foundation of connection inside of your relationship is really what you're going after building. It's what everything's going to be built on top of. And without that, it's too easy to drift apart. It's easy to uh, live parallel lives inside of marriage. It's easy because you're so, each person is such a unique individual that you really are wired to just kind of power on and power through. You can do that side by side. You can do that holding hands without actually having much of a bond between you. But that's not going to lead to deep fulfillment in marriage. That's not going to lead to that that sense of thriving that we're really created for. And so we're going to kind of unpack a few keys for what is it even what would it even look like to lay a foundation of connection? How does that actually play out? Let's dive into that. Yeah. So in the very beginning, I mean, as Danny Silk would say, um, connection starts with trust and trust is the exchange of truth. Yeah. Oof, that's a big one. Trust is the exchange of truth. Thank you, Danny, for that. Danny Silk. Yeah. So here's the deal is if you don't trust somebody, it just so limits how deep you're going to go. And if we're just talking about, you know, relationships in general, as you, we talked about the, the intimacy ladder when you're first starting to date. Mm-hmm. And that is a, that is a journey of building trust, right? You're answering questions. You are, um, you're holding back your desires in order to make sure that you're not violating the relationship. So you're building trust. You're in this process of building trust. Mm-hmm. And in marriage, the expectation is that we are going to exchange truths back and forth continually. Yeah. That you don't have anything hidden from me. And that what I see is what I get. And what I get is the full truth. That's a really hard thing to do because opening up fully and being really honest about not what you've done in the past, because to me, like what, what I did like 20 years ago, I don't even care about. And for some people that might be hard, but at this point in my life, the hard thing is what I'm feeling right now. So if I walk in and, um, if, if you did something that hurt my feelings, I have a really hard time being honest about that mm-hmm. because of my fear of rejection, my fear of being hurt more. And 
I just feel like that's human nature. I don't feel like that's because of you or because anything bad. I just think like, it's just a really hard thing to be that vulnerable and to say, Hey, my feelings got hurt earlier. I'm not doing really great. Or I feel really sad today. I woke up feeling really down. That's a really challenging thing to, to be able to do day in and day out. Right. But that's actually the truth. And and that's where it's those little tiny places in our lives that build this really deep, important bond between us, this connection between us. And I often think that we, that people think, well, you know, we're going to go to a vacation together and and that's going to build our connection. It's like, well, yeah, one, one trip is, is great, but actually real strong connections are built day by day. And yeah. it's through that exchange of, of telling the truth with one another, being right. able to handle the truth. And that's not an easy thing to do. That's yeah. a, that's a challenge. It is. And I think you're right that talking through and building trust by talking through your past, especially if you're in a dating relationship or if you're even early in marriage, you know, not divulging secrets that should have been shared in dating. Obviously there's cover all those bases before you get married. There Mm -hmm. shouldn't be any secrets going into marriage. Um, you want to go in eyes wide open. You don't want any surprises after you get married in the sense of your past, your history, um, things like that. You really should talk about that in dating because you need to give somebody the option of opting in fully to your story. Mm -hmm. So for starters, that's important inside of marriage. Obviously there's going to be things you discover about one another because you're exploring, you're exploring levels of intimacy you haven't before. So things are going to come up. Things are going to get triggered. Things like, you know, fears or anxieties or, you know, emotions that you have about certain parts of your life. Um, that's absolutely going to come up. And I think that you're right in that it's those in the moment, vulnerable, deep places that we have to share with one another in order to build trust. Me sharing the deepest, most vulnerable part of myself, uh, me sharing my fears, me sharing the areas where I don't feel adequate or I feel scared or I feel hurt, um, or me sharing, you know, actually listening and embracing the parts of you that feel scared or hurt. That is where our trust is exchanged. That's where our truth is exchanged to build trust in our relationship. Trust that we can handle each other. Trust that the realest parts of me don't push you away. Trust that I'm going to be fully accepted inside of my vulnerability. Um, that a marriage has that level of trust in it. And here's the thing. You you could it's important to, um, you might say off, you know, on the surface, I trust my spouse. I trust my spouse totally. Well, there's certain behaviors that if you, if you find yourself acting certain ways 
it would be a red flag that maybe there's some trust issues inside of your marriage. Well, avoiding conflict. For, avoiding conflict is a, is a huge indicator that you don't actually trust either your spouse or yourself. Mm-hmm. There's not trust between you in the area of conflict. Um, that's huge. If you have a tendency to hide your feelings, if you have a tendency to hide your actions, if you, um, I mean, there's endless amounts of things that would indicate actually there's not a ton of trust between you. And you know that that's something that you have to work on because your entire marriage really is built on the trust that's between the two of you. Yeah, a hundred percent. Um, I think the next big piece is, and I didn't think about this a lot until just past couple of years, but connection happens so much through the exchange of emotions. Oh, and, yeah. and I know that we're talking about that from trust, but the other side is like, okay, well, I can trust you and not exchange emotions with you. Right. And because that's a skill, like yeah. that's a learned skill to yeah. let you in. And one, to be able to recognize my emotions, right? to be able to go, oh, I feel really sad right now. Yeah. Or I felt a lot of shame today. Uh, letting someone into that. <clears throat> it, when I, when you think about it, like even our kids before they can even talk, it's so much of that connection is built through, I pick them up and they are responding to what I'm doing. Yeah. They stop crying and they snuggle in or... I walk in and Liam's so happy to see me. Mm-hmm. He stops everything he's doing and he smiles, right? There's there's that exchange of emotion and he's crawling towards me like, oh my gosh, I feel so connected. But if I walked in and he didn't even look up, if I picked him up and threw him up in the air and he didn't smile or laugh or do anything, I I would actually feel really disconnected from him. Right. And so we're the same way. That's actually, yeah. I mean, even psychologically, you're looking for your kids to have those emotional responses. In fact, the lack of emotional response in a kid is a major red flag yeah. that would send you to the pediatrician to get evaluated, right? Yeah. It's a big deal. Yeah, 100%. Our our friends gave us a lot of language for this that Jason's talking about right now. Um, Dr. Glenn Hill and his wife Phyllis run a um, a ministry an organization called connection codes. And this is their bread and butter. This is Mm -hmm. what they go hard after is actually teaching people how to connect with one another based on the fact that people really do connect in the exchange of emotion, as opposed to talking about facts and figures and logistics. That is their, Bread and butter. Yeah. And I think that I actually think we have a discount code for um, their e-courses and webinars. So I'll check on that and put it in the notes if we do. Absolutely. Um, Because they're awesome and we've worked with them for a long time. But yeah, this learning how to exchange, learning how to identify and then give and exchange those emotions is so incredibly important. I remember a couple years ago, um, Gosh, I was having such a hard time. How honestly, I would say in life. And I didn't like work. I 
um, was having a really hard time at home. And I finally, after, I don't know, I felt like I was, I was in that mode for like two months. And I remember telling you, like, I just feel a lot of shame. I just feel a lot of shame. I feel a lot of shame about not liking my job. I feel a lot of shame about coming home and, and feeling lazy. Like I just remember finally admitting to myself, this is what's going on inside of me. And it really wasn't until I actually figured that out. Like I feel a lot of shame that I started to get out of that mode. And because it's easy to go like, Oh, work sucks or, Oh, this thing sucks. But when I actually was started to go like, no, this is what's going on inside of me. I was able to begin to like unpack that. But then also it was really, I felt really disconnected from you. And the greatest fear for me as a man is that when I open that up to you, when I say, I feel a lot of shame uh, about not wanting to go to work, about not liking my job, my instinct is that you're going to think I'm weak, mm. that you're going to think that I'm not enough because I'm supposed to be this guy who provides all kinds of security, who you really respect and admire and look up to and the kids do. And all of a sudden I have these weak emotions, right? And so I had to learn a lot that even growing up in a good home, like I had to learn that level of brutal honesty, that level of commitment to you and to me to be able to unpack that. Um, Because again, if I can't do that, I'm just hiding. I'm hiding from myself and I'm hiding from you. And I end up, uh, here's the key. I end up feeling really disconnected in life. And then all of my life isn't fun. And so being able to really identify your emotions, um, the Hills wrote a book, Connection Codes. I we rec- really recommend it to people. Get it. Uh, we're not going to go through all the, all the emotions and, and how to identify those, but they have some really great tools, some four minute tools that you guys can use that are fantastic mm-hmm. for how to, how to identify and then exchange emotions with one another. It's honestly a great tool for kids too. And then if you're, if you're single, it's just starting to date, uh, we would really ma- recommend doing this. Yeah. I think that I'd like to give a couple examples of how this plays out because I'm thinking of married, married couples that could be listening and thinking to themselves, okay, I do think we have a connection problem. I think we have a connection. I don't feel that like deeply fulfilling bond with my spouse. I don't. Yeah. I mean, we're bonded. Like we have kids together and I definitely don't want him going anywhere, but I don't feel that deep fulfillment that I want to feel. I don't feel super known. I don't feel super cared for. I don't feel super loved. And I don't think he does either. I think like where the rubber meets the road inside of marriage, it it does get really practical, even thinking through, okay, think of your most common conflict. I'm just thinking of ours. Um, You try to live up to my highest expectations. (laughs) Yeah. I'm thinking of just kind of those cyclical things that come around and around again for us in marriage. And one of them just being, um, so I'm, I'm more of a detail oriented person. I'm more organized by nature. I like for everything to have a place. Um, Jay has a different set of strengths. And although he is pretty meticulous in certain areas, there's other things that just don't matter to him and that he doesn't see or pick up on. So in our in our marriage, I tend to kind of keep the calendar together, the family calendar. You know, we've got this appointment here and this there and the kids have this and this and whatever. 
Um, I also do our finances and I, I keep track of our spending and our budget and I pay bills. So a lot of the, um, more detail oriented work is on my plate. And that, that makes sense for us because those are my skill sets and I'm good at spreadsheets. We wouldn't survive without it. (laughs) Yeah. So it's good. It's a good partnership, but, um, you know, from time to time, one of, you know, one of the types of arguments we would get into, it would be me clearly stressed about who knows what, bustling around the house in a bad mood, angry cleaning in the kitchen. That's real. Throwing dishes here and there, not actually throwing, but like, you know, throwing dinner together, just kind of like, just having a time putting out a huge vibe and Jay comes in and clearly he can see because he's a rational person that something's not right. Right. I just want to go back to work. Yeah. He can tell something's not right, but he knows that, okay, we're going to have to dig in. So, you know, it's easy for me to, I feel the overwhelm inside, but on the surface it could be, gosh, it could be the fact that, I've got all these bills to pay, but I haven't had a time to be alone all day long. And the pressure of, you know, having to manage our finances on top of not having a lot of alone time in the day to even look at my computer, that feels stressful. Or gosh, I'm cooking dinner and it just feels like the baby is tugging at my pants and I can't even step from the sink to the stove without tripping on something or someone. And It'd be easy to think that the real problem is these logistics around me, these, the facts of our life, these issues, these responsibilities that are on my plate are the problem. And I think for anybody listening, you know, think through your most common, your most common modes of conflict, the things that you typically come up on over and over again and how your conflict feels, or if you're having a bad day, what are the things that trigger you into having a bad day? What are the things you're the stay at home mom and the list of overwhelm is long and, or you're the, you know, you're the working wife and you don't know how to you know, find connection with your husband in the evenings because you enjoy doing different things, whatever it is, the things that you come up on in your marriage that you notice, I want to escape. I want to run away. This is not fun. This is too much. And thinking through what those conversations are like between the two of you, I'd be willing to bet that you talk a lot about the facts and the logistics of the day, the moment, the problem. Where you're going to get a ton of breakthrough, and again, this is this is what the Hills help people do all day long, where you're going to get a ton of breakthrough is when you identify the underlying emotion beneath the facts and logistics. For me, and I'll give myself as an example, for me, one of the biggest trigger emotions for me is loneliness. Mm-hmm. I, When I feel lonely, I become a very uncool version of myself. (laughs) Now, lonely in and of itself is not, Dr. Hill always says, it's not good, bad, right, or wrong. And so lonely as an emotion isn't a positive or a negative, a right or a wrong thing to feel. It is just happening. And 
when I have, when, as I have learned to recognize my emotion and go, wow, the bills aren't the problem. My loneliness is the thing that's really tripping me up right now. My loneliness is what I should bring to Jason and vulnerably show him. Okay, cool. Got it. So when we sit down and have a conversation after the kids go to bed, I can say to him, man, I felt lonely today. I felt so lonely. I, I'm realizing that some of the things that are on my plate cause me to feel lonely or I'm scared of feeling lonely in the finances. I'm nervous that I'm going to have mm-hmm. the weight of the responsibility in a tight season for us to keep track of all the budgets. And what if I make a mistake? And what if I lead us in the wrong direction? Or what if I overspend in you know, a certain area? And the pressure of keeping us on the rails financially makes me feel lonely. Mm-hmm. That's the real problem. Because actually the truth is, if I feel like we're partnered up, if I feel like we're together, if I feel like Jay's with me in the finances, then it doesn't matter if we are scraping by paycheck to paycheck or if we are in abundance. I know we can do it because we can do it together. You know what I mean? So the point being loneliness is what's really tripping me up. It isn't all those logistics. And I think that's where people um, are going to find the biggest breakthroughs is when they recognize those emotions. And for me, oftentimes I would rather talk logistics because I can just get it. Like I can just solve it. Right. Like you tell me, tell me the logistical problem. Okay. We're going to have enough money or, okay, well I'll just clean that after you go to bed. Like the kids made a mess. Like just relax. I'll clean all that. Like, how can I just fix this thing? Diffuse the problem. Yeah. Instead of getting to the heart of it, we're going to get to the heart of it. And then I can't actually fix a ton of it. I can just be with you in it. Mm -hmm. And so I oftentimes, especially in the past would, would not want to talk emotions. Yeah. I, I would, I wouldn't even know to, but I wouldn't necessarily even want to engage in that. I would want to talk facts because I just want to solve stuff Right. at work. Nobody at work's talking emotions. Mm -hmm. Everybody at work's talking facts. Stuff that we can solve right Tasks. now. Tasks. Yeah. yeah. And so it's it's so easy, I think, for husbands to get into task fact mode. And but the thing is, like you solve that stuff and you still don't feel connected. Right. You may feel relieved, you may feel excited, but connected is a completely different feeling. Bonded, yeah. completely different feeling. Yeah. Than that. That is, um, that's a really good point. And I do think that people shy away from getting to the bottom of it with emotion because it does feel daunting. Like, right. If you're in the scenario that we're talking about right now and it's the end of the day and you're just trying to make it through the last thing you want is to get into like an hour and a half long conversation about each other's feelings. But the cool thing is, and I think what we've learned is that if you get good at identifying your emotions and actually leading with that, the conversation can go a lot quicker because you can do it in like 10 minutes. Yeah. And you don't get tripped up on 
the blame that can happen when you're talking facts and logistics. There's so much blame involved because you did this and this is happening. And there's so much blame and powerlessness that happens when you're, you know, not actually getting to the heart of it. But if you can get to the heart, then you can solve the problem quickly if you're for each other. Can I just say that I think those hour and a half conversations happen because we're not actually talking about us and our emotions and what we're feeling or you, or it may start out like that, but somebody's trying to solve somebody else. Somebody's trying to get somebody to not feel the way that they do because mm-hmm. it doesn't take an hour and a half for you to say, I felt really lonely today and blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And for me to go, Ooh, gosh, I don't want you to feel lonely. Um, like what do you need? Or, Hey, thank you so much for sharing that with me. Mm-hmm. Like, do you want to talk through some real practicals on how we can solve that? Because practicals mm-hmm. are great once I'm in the boat with you. Right. And and so I think those, I, I just want to like put that out there for people. Yeah. Like it's way faster for us oftentimes to, for me to hear what's really going on in you or you to really hear what's going on in me than it is to come up with some game plan because you don't really solve that thing. You just yeah. solve the problem, well, but you don't solve, you don't solve the connection piece. I agree with you. And I think that conversations and conflicts go long and drawn out. Also, when you're trying to convince each other that you're right about something. Yeah. And I think we would say, you know, connection can happen. Connection, the fruit of connection can be present and can happen whether or not there's agreement about a scenario or a situation. And so that would be a key too. a key to connection is knowing and understanding that you don't actually have to agree on everything in order to enjoy a deep, fulfilling connection with your significant other, your spouse. Yeah. Yep. Let's get out of those long hour and a half conversations, trying Mm -hmm. to find some type of real agreement instead of gosh, understanding, learning, knowing. So we did that in the conflict the conflict podcast. If you hadn't listened to that um, conflict resolution, mm-hmm. you can jump back there mm-hmm. a couple. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think another really important thing too is um, we've written down to learn how to speak each other's language. Yeah, yeah. I had a um, I had a a woman reach out to me this past week and kind of give me a bird's eye view of her marriage. And it's just so common. Like her, the, the situation she described is just so common. It's that, you know, it's really important to a man that he feels respected. My husband doesn't feel like I respect him at all. I do, but he doesn't feel like I do. Mm -hmm. Or maybe I don't, you know, I don't know. And I know, you know, it's a woman's, it's a woman's heart to feel cherished and loved and adored by her husband. And He would say that he does, but man, I don't feel like he does. And that is so common. I think a key to building a beautiful, enjoyable connection with your spouse is learning to speak their language. And when I talk about this, I like to give the analogy, you know, we're a little bit famous for this internationally, so like, don't be this person, (laughs) but You know, if you're traveling as an American to a foreign country, don't be the person 
that shows up in Spain and expects everybody around you to start speaking English to you just because you're American. Like the beloved international traveler, the the person that people want to be around is the person who humbly hops off that airplane, knows that they're the foreigner in the land and actually goes low and doesn't actually expect the entire culture around them to transform and cater to them. You go to an international country, maybe you even take a foreign language class before you go, if you're going to stay a while. You know, I have a friend who is passionate about um, Latin America, and she just knows that this next season of her family is going to be taking a lot of trips to different countries in Latin America. They're building business and, um, and building beautiful partnerships with some organizations there. And so to invest in that season of her life, she's taking... Spanish classes here in Redding, California, because she's investing in the land that she's going to inhabit, the land that she's going to partner with. And the same is true inside of marriage. If you're getting married and you just expect for your spouse to think like you, talk like you, need like you, want like you, then you're going to be really disappointed because we're all really different. But when you go in willing to learn the other person's language, how they work, what they need, how they feel, what they do when they feel X, Y, or Z, you go in as a student of your spouse to serve them in the way that they can actually receive and understand the message you're sending. That is going to be a beautiful and fruitful relationship. I think for me, this was, I, I blew this a lot with the kids. Mm. And because I did for them what I would have wanted done for me. Yeah. In experiences, especially. Mm. And then try and then got angry when they didn't like it like I liked it. Mm. And then tried to force it to happen. So like I I would when the boys are really young, try to take them hunting or fishing. And they probably would have liked it if I was like chill about it and we just did it a little bit. Yeah, there's no chill in you about hunting and fishing. <laughs> no, and and I was so, you know, that would have been my dream, right? Mm-hmm. My dream would have been my dad taking me on this really intense hunting, fishing trip, and we're just like doing it together. Yeah. My boys are like checked out, and not because they don't like hunting and fishing. They don't like that kind Yeah. when they were that young, right? They'll do it now at least some version of it. But again, it's just like, man, I had a really good heart. I really wanted to connect with him and wanted to do things that were fun and totally forgot. Like I'm doing things that are fun for me. I'm doing things that I really enjoy. I'm loving them. Like I love me. And that's a good starting point. It's just not a great, you know, it's not a great, like finishing point. It's like, I can't just do that. Well, it may or may not lead to good connection. Yeah. And so you would have to remind me a lot, like, hey, babe, are you sure that you want to invest all this time and effort and energy into doing this big thing with them? Like, that's what you would want. That may not be what they would want. And, you know, of course we do it in relationships as well, but we all have a different code book too. We've, I think we've talked about that in the past, but if we haven't, I experience the message 
I care for you, I love you, a different way than you do. And part of that's that I'm a man. Part of that is my personality type. Part of that's my life experience. Mm -hmm. And you experience, I care for you, I love you, I know you, in a completely different way than I do. And growing up, my family was really sarcastic. My dad is really sarcastic. And we joked and played and did all kinds of things like that. Sarcasm is not your favorite thing. It's not one of your like, it's not horrible, but it's not, that's what, how our family connected a lot was through sarcasm. I don't want my connection to be based on that. No, that's for sure. No. And so, you know, really understanding each other's love languages would be a massive one. Mm -hmm. Um, The needs, being able to share what your needs are. But then I just think there's something to taking an interest in each other. It could be as simple as the hobbies. Like when you ask me, Hey, tell me about that. Or, um, what are you excited about this year with your hobbies? Or, um, you will sit down and watch something that I like to watch. I feel connected to, I feel known, I feel cared about. It's that nurture part. Like you're interested in what I'm interested in. And I'll say this too a lot. When I pastored in the school of ministry for those 10 years, I would have older students come up to me like 55, 60. And sometimes they would say like, I just don't connect to these young boys. You know, they're talking about dating and, and I'd be like, that's really interesting because I, I had a little kid at the time. I said, you know, I'm not in the same season of life as my eight year old son. We're Mm -hmm. in completely different seasons. He's not actually even asking me about my life. And yet I feel really connected to him because my goal is to take an interest in what he's interested about. My goal is to serve him. My goal, and there's a lot of truth in that with kids. There's a lot of truth in that with marriage and and building relationships. Is if you take a real interest in what other people are interested in, you'll be surprised how interested you are in it, uh, just in loving them and what kind of bond that builds. And you know, Evan or sorry, Liam is not even. He's one years old, just turned one, and. It's not like, oh, I can't wait to play with the balls on the ground. It's like, I can't wait to see him feel cared for. Mm -hmm. That's the funnest part. And that's exciting. So, but it takes sacrifice. There's so much sacrifice in building a strong connection. Yeah. That learning somebody's code book, really learning your code book. I can tell when I walk in, I can tell the temperature. I can tell what you, I, you often say, guy, you know what I need? better than I know what I need. Mm-hmm. It's true. If I'm on a trip, you'll call me and say, I don't know what's wrong. Like, can I just, can you just help me out for a second? And yeah. I, I'll often say something really practical, like, oh, babe, if I was you, I would take a hot shower and do this thing right here. Or I wouldn't eat that tonight. I don't think mm-hmm. you should have that. It's weird, but I've like studied and learned and paid attention to your code book. What, where you're at, what you need. So yeah. I think that's massive. It is. And, you know, I think if you are in that situation where you're like, man, we're missing it with each other. We're missing it. Like he's not getting that message. I respect you. And she's not getting that message. I cherish and adore you. Well, how are you practically sending that message? Yeah. What are you doing and what are you saying to send the message? I love you. And if you're not sending it or saying it, 
or doing it in a way that your spouse can even see or hear or understand, then you got to switch it up. You got to yeah. figure out another way. Because you got to learn their language. It's ultimately your responsibility. It is. I do think that disconnection is very demotivating. It's interesting. There, in my opinion, when you are disconnected, it is it is demotivating oh, yeah. to reconnect. You know what I'm saying? Because it's depressing. It's it's hard. Mm-hmm. Well, it's work. Yeah. And so, you know, a marriage that you're in it, like you're in some years, you've got some years under your belt and you guys just, you are doing that, you're running parallel and you're not feeling super connected and you don't really enjoy, really enjoy the bond between you. To do the work to reconnect and to build something new and fresh and alive that you really like and enjoy is a lot of work. And, you know, it's the same thing as when you have just not worked out for a year mm-hmm. and you know, you got to get back at it because you don't want to be 45 and inactive. You know, you're going to like hurt something when you're 45 and you haven't been active. So you're going to, get up and you're going to do the work and you're going to get back at it, but you really don't want to. It's like super unmotivating to get off the couch and get back into a good workout routine, even though you know it's what you need. It's the same thing. Like when you're really disconnected in a marriage, you don't want to put in the work to do it. So it is going to, it does require really getting up, really getting off the couch, really doing something super practical about it. What's your best advice couple comes to you and they say, we've been disconnected for two years. I don't, neither of us feel really motivated to start. What's your like? Go do this. Oh man. I don't know. Honestly, probably Dr. Glenn and Phyllis's connection codes. I would say yeah. take a webinar. It's only four sessions. Do yeah. the webinar. Start there. Start with learning a new language. Yeah. It's what I would say. Don't do it alone. Yeah. Right. Like link yourself to somebody who has success. Mm-hmm. And that's the best way to go. Like, we're not doing the same thing that we used to do. We're not doing the same thing that we've always done. Mm-hmm. We don't really know what we're doing. Great. Grab an expert. It could be Dr. Glenn and Phyllis. It could be a counselor. Mm-hmm. It could be a couple at your church that their marriage just kicks butt. Right. Mm-hmm. It could be you guys reading a book together. Like, you gotta inspire yourself yeah and tether yourself to to some accountability Mm -hmm. and momentum right somebody Mm -hmm. else has momentum around you you need to grab that momentum and and move forward yeah absolutely it's great well babe this was awesome yeah absolutely hopefully this was helpful for you guys um keys for connection there you go yeah connection is a big topic i'm sure we'll circle back so many times but That was a fun conversation. Thanks. Yeah, it really is. And I think this week, the challenge for people is to do a little, little evaluation. Oh, he's giving you a challenge. He's giving you some homework. This week I am. Do a little evaluation of your relationships. If you're married, uh, how well are you exchanging those emotions back and forth? How, how close are you? How well are you known? And, um, and maybe just ask your spouse, right? So the homework would be like, Hey, how well do we exchange our emotions back and forth? Mm-hmm. If the answer is mm, not super well, okay, you got some homework. Okay. And uh, 
I want you to give the dating couple some homework. Yeah. I think for a dating couple, it would be, do I know how to share Mm -hmm. my emotions? And then how well do I do um, listening, listening to, to where you're at and understanding. So just that skill of, of being able to in real time. So that's where it gets really good in real time. I'm able to go, Ooh, I felt really sad right there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I would say for the dating couple too, practice or, or married, but practice exchanging the truth of what's happening for you in the moment. Yeah. Um, if you're single and listening and learning, I mean, well, good job. Yeah, well done. Good job. I would actually say to you or to anybody, honestly, is to think through those attachment styles that Jason talked about and yeah, actually identify like how the foundation needed for actually building healthy bonds. Do you know how to bond to people? Do you have, or do you have bonded friendships? Do yeah. you know how to bond in general? Cool. Well, guys, that is episode 12 of Dates, Mates, and Babies with the Valentins. If this was awesome for you, as always, please like it and subscribe to our podcast and help us spread the word. Leave a review. Uh, We love hearing from you guys, so send us your thoughts or your questions if you want to. That's always fun for us, and we will see you next week. Yeah, let's get connected.